always depended on the kindness of strangers. All right, so he's not a regular rat or, or even a super rat. He's a scared little mouse, that's all. Ha, I had two years to grow claws, Mother. Jungle Ray! Hello, and welcome to The Real Woman, a podcast about all things cinematic. I'm your host, Emmanuel Perryman, and I'm thrilled to welcome my next guest, Satori Circus. Hey, hey. Uh, welcome, Satori. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Thank you for uh, having me on your show. Uh, Satori Circus, tell me a little bit about how Satori came to be. You are a native Detroiter? Yes, yeah. Uh, and so uh, you've been a performance artist in Detroit for how many years? Um, well, this is 2019, so it just passed my 30th. Was it my 30th? No, my 31st. Yeah. So I've been doing it since 88. So I'll be swinging into the new year, heading into 32 years. Wow. And yeah. how did, and how did uh, Satori Circus come to be? You know... Um, it was just picking up where I left off. Um, I kind of grew up and went to college and was trying to do graphic design, and it was probably too meticulous for my little brain to kind of wrap my whole body around. And I played hockey, which probably answered a lot of questions why I couldn't wrap my head around you know, uh, graphic design. But um, I went to uh, Northern Michigan and played some hockey up there and did art. And then I came home one sun, one summer in 1980. And because I was in some high school band, friends saw this ad for lead singer. And from that point on, from 80 to about 82, I was in like a, a rock and roll band playing covers and a few of our own originals. And then I migrated into doing stuff that I wanted to do, which in that time period was alternative or punk because you were going against the typical grain, right? Mm -hmm. And I met this one kid, uh, Rick Martins, and we created this band called Fugitive Poetry. And Nice name. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of cool. Actually, there was a group of individuals in the 20s and 30s down in like Georgia, uh, the Carolinas, and in Florida called the Fugitive Poets. Okay. And it was a mix of female and male. And I forget one of the one writers who really kind of went on to some form of international notoriety. I can't think of his, I think his first name was Robert, but I can't remember his full name. But that was just happenstance. Mm -hmm. And um, so we did stuff that was different. We did stuff, we didn't write about girls or cruising and getting drunk and all that kind of <laughs> stuff, you know, which is, you know, kind of rock and roll, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So we wrote about stuff that affected us. And then uh, my buddy Rick got really sick and ill with bone cancer. And so Fugitive Poetry, I think our last gig as a duo was uh, 86. And at that time, uh, he was okay, but then uh, complications of the disease um, uh, paralyzed him from the waist down. So hospice, his fiance and I basically took care of him around the clock. He wrote a book and then oddly enough, uh, I didn't do anything for about a year and a half. And then, uh, the beginning of 88, I started writing some stuff and using him as a sounding board because 
our likes and dislikes were so similar, mm -hmm. even though we came from like completely two different worlds. And um, so I used him and I came up with something that I wanted to continue because what we were doing near the end of our, I guess, end of our uh, Fugitive Poetry days was we started pre-recording our music and then acting out those, um, those songs, you know, through whatever stories we were creating. And so I took some of that and I took and I brought in like film and a lot of different things that I enjoyed and started putting together kind of what Fugitive Poetry started to do and what I was trying to take it or take it and make so it my own. the seeds of what you would become. Yeah, exactly. And so um, he passed away in July of 88 and September, October, I can't remember, <laughs> of 88 was my first gig as Satori Circus. Do you remember what that first gig was, like what you did? Yeah, God, man. I used to put on shows by myself in galleries or pubs or wherever I could get it. A lot of punk clubs like the old Miami and Detroit mm -hmm. or a place called Reruns, which was in Dearborn. I think those were the two places I really tried to do stuff in. And um, they were like two hours long, man. Oh, wow. With an intermission, a yeah. Show. I did, and I would get there early put the stage together, put the lights together, do the sound. And this was back when I used like cassettes, mm -hmm. you know, to, yeah, yeah. so yeah. it was a big, yeah. it was, it was not digital in any, <laughs> you know, it wasn't easy and it was more laborsome than a lot of I, things, Yeah. but it was, yeah, I probably a couple carfuls to the, the bar and mm -hmm. I have to negotiate with them and leave a bunch of stuff in the back room. I'll come back the next day and pick it up. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, working, I was in, now, I wasn't in school at that point, but I was working, and I was still playing a little bit of hockey, you know, drop in, and so I was a busy person all over the place. Yes, yes, and yeah. you still are. Yeah, I try, I try. <laughs> uh, so, for for those who are not in Detroit and have not been able to see one of your performances, what's a Satori Circus performance like? What do you, you know... How, do we, how would you describe? It's, it's borrowed from a lot of different mediums before me, for sure. I mean, that's just what you got to do, you know? Mm -hmm. Like Jim Jarmusch said, you know, take it, steal it, whatever you need to do, you know, let it sink in and then mm -hmm. spit it out. And when you spit it out, it becomes you because that's what you did. You altered it a little bit. It's like mm -hmm. G chord. It's going to be a G chord. It's going to be a G chord. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my stuff is kind of influenced by Dada, um, old vaudeville slapstick stuff like Buster Keaton, who's one of my all-time favorites. Um, Do you have a favorite Buster Keaton film? You know, I gravitate between quite a few, like The General and uh, uh -huh. College. Uh -huh. Um but no, not really, because they're all kind of cool and unique in themselves. Yeah. It's like Charlie Chaplin. I mean, I love Charlie Chaplin, too, and I, 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 mean, I couldn't tell you what my favorite Charlie Chaplin is. But is there is. one that you like, that's one that, I, that you watch often or that you would go back to? Um, with Keaton, no. I would pick up where anywhere with Keaton. If I was to like go into uh, Chaplin, I would probably go either to... Uh, Modern Days or The Dictator. Modern Times. Modern Times, thank yeah. you. Or uh, The Dictator. Yes. Because yes. that is a classic bit of, and it was before a lot of crap was happening in Europe. I mean, it came yeah. out, what, 39, 40? Yeah. yeah. No, uh, 
the great dictator is definitely very um, prescient. Yeah, yeah. The, for the for the time, definitely one of my favorites. Modern Times is definitely one of my favorites. That it's just. I mean, he was brilliant. I mean, it was really talkies. And it, but God, man, what was, what was that like? Thirty three. And, and he would refuse to. Talk. talk. Yeah, and he it was his body. Yeah. You know, he didn't have to talk. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. I mean, both of those, and that's those guys, those types of individuals. You know, it's it's like. Robin Williams or mm-hmm. you know you don't really have to hear them because they're physically telling you what's going on yeah you know and I really dig that and a lot of my pieces rely on the physicality um, makeup costume changes you know from being a female to a male to a tree to a kid to an animal mm-hmm. you know I whatever I'm writing about or whatever I'm feeling I try to convey that myself mm-hmm. and it doesn't I've never thought about what it means, you know, to the audience. I just yeah. do it, you know. So yeah. so my shows usually are involved with music that I either write or co-write. Um, I call them words. I don't necessarily call them lyrics because I write in a very kind of odd, free-forming kind of way mm-hmm. that's not typical of, you know, uh, standard, like... Song format. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. one line, two lines, three lines, chorus. One line, two line, three line, chorus. You know, I, yeah. it just... Whatever happens, happens. Even if it's like seventy-five syllables in one line, <laughs> yeah. and the next one's like bah. Yeah, you know that's almost that sounds almost a little Dylan-esque. Mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't necessarily well, yeah. have yeah. a chorus for it, every song. No, just and it sounds like the beats. Was, it sounds like a lot of things that you just yeah. again borrowed, you know, and it just yeah. came out me, you know. I, I think. So, you know, I've been influenced by like the people like the Tom Waits and the, the David Bowies and the John Lennons. And I've also been influenced by like Yvonne Rayner and... Um, Kurt Vile, too. Kurt Vile, yes. And Bertolt Brecht and uh, the ladies of Judson Church in the 60s and 70s, mm-hmm. you know. Even going back to like, you know, the Martha Graham type stuff. Because mm-hmm. it's, I, I can't dance, but I just watch it enough and I try to use some of that within myself, creating whatever. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that because um, one of my favorites, Betty Davis, was not a dan- again not a dancer per se, but she studied with Martha Graham, and she said later that the the dance training that she had gave her so much with with regards to acting, just in how she moved her body. Mm-hmm. Walking down, you know, no one walks down a flight of stairs quite like Betty Davis does. No. And, and, and she's, you know, she contributes that to, she contributes mm-hmm. that to her dance training. Yeah. And, and having just, you know, you don't have to dance to, to benefit from having taken dance. Agreed, agreed. You know, you, know? you can use it in other, other ways. Exactly, and she used it like imposter and attitude and conviction, mm-hmm. you know. So, mm-hmm. and I, I believe that in a lot of different things, you know. You don't, it's how you do it. Yeah, and know? how you interpret it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, all those elements are like into Satori Circus, you know. It depends on the venue, depends on the type of theme. You know, sometimes I, I do a lot of guest appearances. I, I wouldn't say guest appearances, but I'm asked to mm-hmm. be a part a small part of a bigger show right. and you know I'll do stuff but when I do my own stuff 
there's a lot of spoken word, there's a lot of music, there's a lot of movement, there's a lot of character sketches, mm-hmm. there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and I still like very low tech stuff. Um, not cassettes. No, not cassettes anymore. Yeah, no, it's a digital thing now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it makes it a lot easier. I would think. Yeah, I, I don't have to think. stress as much. <laughs> Just grab and dump, grab and, and dump. I assume you have a sound person. I I have a dear friend of mine, Brian Dambacher, that I've known since about '93, and we started working together uh, at an old place uh, downtown Detroit called 1515 Broadway, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's where between Michigan Gallery. Um, which is no longer around, and it's right around um, like Mercury Burger mm-hmm. and Two James. It's in that mm-hmm. vicinity. Um, I don't know what it is anymore. And then fifteen fifteen Broadway. So eighty eight was one of those two places. But they both gave me a shot to be Satori Circus, and fifteen fifteen Broadway's gone too. So yeah, a lot yeah. of those things when you when you make it going on your thirty second year, it's like yeah, there's a couple places that aren't around anymore. But there's, in a way, it's it could also be a, a bit of a source of pride in that you've outlasted some of those institutions. Some of those institutions. <laughs> uh, I never thought of it that way. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. You know, keep on plugging. Yeah, it, it gets. Yeah, you know, I don't know how you know other performers who have lasted longer than I have or are still lasting and are much older than me how they've gone through all these changes. Like let's say actors, you know, film actors, right, mm-hmm. not stage. So film actors, I mean, people like, I'm trying to think of somebody, you know, besides Max Van Sydow and Betty White and Clint Eastwood, who are all yeah. in their 90s, but thinking about, they came up in the 50s. You know, Betty yeah. White came up in the, the 40s, right? Yeah. Max Van Sydow has been acting since probably after World War II. Yeah. And He's been old my entire life. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Except, you know, the greatest story ever told, you know, he was like a young buck in that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was 65. Yeah. You know, you had everybody, Charlton Heston, Sidney Poitier, yeah. I mean, Jesus Pete, you know. Yeah. yeah, The man from UNCLE was in it. I can't even think of his name. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's interesting when you think of, you know, actors past a certain age, all the history that they've seen and lived mm-hmm. through. And, and Film to digital format stuff. Yes. I mean... Yeah, I can't imagine. Uh, uh, we were talking earlier about Clara Bow mm-hmm. moving from yes. silent to talkies, right? And how that was a difficult transition for her. But I could imagine going from film to to digital. It would also be, you know, it's, it'd, it'd be interesting. It'd be I mean, interesting. Like you know, Pete, I don't know that Clint Eastwood's done a lot of stage work, but I'm pretty sure Betty White has, and I know that Max Van Sydow has. So. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the, those kind of individuals going from film to stage, to film to stage, to film to stage, you know? Mm-hmm. That's, that transition probably is tons easier now, but when it first was occurring, it probably was intense because, you know, oh, yeah. stage is the real deal. You can't go, oh, cut. Okay, let's take that again. Yeah. You know, and then film is like 37 takes for a kiss or yeah. get that bead of sweat rolling down the face just right. Yeah, you know? yeah. And then a lot of just waiting around for... <laughs> smoking drink, smoking drink, smoking drink. shot to, that's going to be a five-minute shot that you wait five hours to, to shoot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's, yeah, it's definitely, it's a whole other beast. So speaking of film, mm-hmm. you are now uh, the star of your own 
own film. <laughs> it's not my own, but it's, <laughs> but, it's definitely it's, interesting. A documentary called Being Satori Circus. Yep. Now, how did this come about? When did this, uh, did someone contact you? Yes, yeah, he did. Uh, Mark Fennell, um, who's an actor, producer, writer, and director in his own right. And um, he reached out to me about three years ago, I guess. And, um, you know, basically kind of came to a couple of shows. We started talking and then exchanged phone numbers. And then he started calling me and we started talking more. And he wanted to do it. And I was flabbergasted and, and you know, definitely honored. Um, now, had he seen you perform first? Yes. Before he contacted yes. you? Yes, yes. He had, I'm not sure if he had heard about me. But Mark and I are the same age, so we kind of traveled in the same circles. And he's a Detroit native as well? Yes. Okay. So, um, and we just started chatting, and then he started putting all the pieces together. Mm -hmm. And then we did a, uh, a Kickstarter to kind of initiate and kick off the filming, and mm -hmm. also to do a big party that became, you know, All My Friends, mm -hmm. which is a line, you know, a line from one of my songs. So and and what was his what was his pitch to you when you did you say I want to do a movie about you or yeah he basically you know wanted to see if I was up for it and mm -hmm. we chatted and you know I, I'd let him know that you know I mean I've been doing this at that point it was probably twenty six twenty seven years and I was like I've had a lot of people who've like come up to me and wanted to do something with me and. When I was younger, I was like gung-ho, and it never happened. My heart got broken. So mm -hmm. you keep on going, and people are still coming up to you, and you go, yeah, cool, man. Just call me. Here's my number. And they never get back to you, and you just like, oh, okay, well, whatever. And you just keep you on going. Just don't get too invested in it. Yeah, I mean, it's great, I, but I got stuff to do. Yeah. So I'm going to keep yeah. on moving. You're going to have to catch up to me. Yeah. And yeah. Mark definitely caught up to me. And so he's been... You know, there's been a lot of um, personnel changes within his camp, uh, but uh, things are starting to wind down as far as like putting pieces together, scripting it all out, editing it all out, putting it together and trying to figure out what the storyline is, the th you know, the through all through it. And so there's been, you know, just because of life, mm -hmm. there's been a few setbacks, but life is life and that's what happens. Yeah. You know, and yeah. my understanding is documentaries are not like a Hollywood movie. No. You have 11 months to do a Hollywood movie, and boom, it's you know out in the stores and, that 12th and, month. Yeah, but but before those, I mean, there could be 10, 15 years. Well, in the process, that right? Months. Yeah. I mean, even Hollywood movies can you know every once in a while you know, oh it took us right right, you right. Know, a decade to get this mm -hmm. made, uh, so. Three years is not too bad, actually. No, but I guess in the documentary realm, it's it's not abnormal, is what, no, I'm, yeah, what I'm really no. getting at, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. So there are some movies, yeah, sure, that take, you know, that long, but, you know, they usually have money hanging about. Yeah, you know, it's not like um, Boyhood, the, the Richard Linkletter movie that he shot over 12 years. <laughs> that's intense. That's you know, intense. I, he he lucked out with the crew and the artists that he worked with on that. Yeah, yeah. Because they were solid. Yeah. For twelve years. Yeah, I'll be around. Just call me. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, and 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 to have a kid who grew up, you know, a decent person and 
you know, wasn't like a crackpot. I mean, you never know when, when you oh, absolutely. start with a, with a boy yeah. what he's going to be like in five, six, seven, eight, Or, you know, half years. of the Disney girls. Yes. I think we can know. I think we do know some of what's yes, going to turn out. <laughs> wow. Um, so, so you're now in the, so you, has the filming, where are you in the project now? I couldn't rightly tell you. I'm not like, you know, I'm not steeped in it because it's, right. it's not mine. Right. You know, it's about me or the character. And yeah. so I, they, they let me know what's happening and I'm like, cool, thank you. You know, and I'll do some things with them or I'll let them know about I'm doing a completely different show. So they'll show up and try to capture a lot of, so excuse me, B-roll. So they're filming? Yes. Okay. But they have like 99% of it. Shot. Together, yeah. Okay. There's a few more interviews they want to do. Um, they wanted or were hoping to have a lot of it wrapped up by this end of November, but again, life got in the way. Yeah. So they're trying to get like some sort of a formal trailer or at least uh, a short snippet of what's going to happen. I saw a trailer. Yeah. Recently. Um, probably on one of the social media's yeah, yeah pages. Yeah. Right. Yeah. From either one of my Satori Circus pages to. My dad's page to um, um, being Satori Circus, that page. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of information out there. <laughs> yes. But they're grinding it down, which is really cool. And um, So it sounds like they're kind of in post-production, you know, moving into. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I would say half of what they've captured is probably ready for post. And the other half, they're still editing and okay. chopping up and trying to put it together like, you know, who's saying what or what kind of questions are being asked to lead into some sort of a visual, you know, a segue, mm -hmm. and right. then come out of that, or that's what they're all doing right now, all three right. of them, and I, I can't imagine. I just <laughs> tell them, yeah, I'll, I'll be there, but I, you know, I'll just sit in the back room and drink while you guys are talking, because <laughs> this is you, this is yeah. not me. Do they have an idea of when they want this to be done and screenable? No, I don't know that. If okay. they if they have that date in mind, I don't. I'm not privy to it. Or, you know, I'm I'm an airhead, so they may have told me, and it <laughs> probably it was like, okay, cool, yeah, and it's gone. I know that they wanted to be done by the end of this year with like all the interviews, mm -hmm. and then that way over the holidays, you know, transitioning into the new year, they would be able to sit back and just edit leisurely. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody's got a nine to five. And, right. You know, and uh, but I, these guys are really busting their butt for this. Right. So, however I can help, I've been trying to help. You know, like creating more. Okay, well, this person may be more integral than that person for the interview because I, you know, they asked me, so I gave them a bunch of people that I thought at different parts of Satori's career, right? They were a part of, or they saw shows, you know, more readily, or they were producers and booking artists themselves or whatever, so. And what was that like for you to sort of think back and? <laughs> Man, there was a lot of thinking going on there. Yeah, Boy. yeah. The thing is, is that, you know, there's probably five or six really integral people that I, I wanted to be a part of this. And unfortunately, a couple of them um, don't live in the state anymore. Mm -hmm. And uh, two of them have been harder than hell to get a hold of. Yeah. So he just like, oh, okay, well, I guess it's not gonna happen. It's yeah. not a big deal. So, Move on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Move forward in a zigzag line. 
And that's what I do. <laughs> I don't stop. What type of footage did they, other than your performances, mm -hmm. did they get other types of footage of you, like as you, or was it all? It's all Satori it's Circus. It's all Satori, and is it, do you see Detroit? I mean, how much of a yeah, how it's, much it's, character is Detroit play? Honestly, I don't know how much, like, I, I don't know that they went around shooting, you know, images of Detroit. I, but, I know they've done you, some... We've done some static stuff. We've done yeah. some B-roll stuff, um, like in Eastern Market, around you know Joe Lewis's Fist, um, mm -hmm. certain areas, you know, uh, up by the uh, New Center area, you know, a couple of warehouses, uh, sure, like Fisher, the old Fisher plant. Um, and were these locations you chose? No, they, you know, they I mean, chose. yeah, they chose. Yeah, okay. Um, I didn't know if they had specific, you know, meaning to Satori Circus. I would have, you know. It would have been going back to the bar in the house right. when we first met yeah, yeah. and you were doing your book. Yeah. That's where it would have gone. Right. But I let them, I didn't want to have, they gave me enough, I figured they gave me enough leeway to do specific things, you know, right. or to say and bring up specific things, you know. But I didn't want, I wanted them to take a creative handle on it, man, and just like run with it. Yeah. You know, this is coming from you guys too, so, yeah, yeah. you know. Uh, what kind of um, feedback did you, have you gotten, uh, or have you gotten feedback from them in terms of just footage that they've seen or looked at, or do you get the sense that they're... I don't want to see anything. You don't want to see anything? No, I don't want to see anything. Why not? Because I don't, I want to be surprised. I don't want to, okay. I don't want to okay. be already like kind of, you know, um, what's the right word? Tainted. <laughs> There's a good word. I don't want to be tainted. I want to be, I'm pretty sure that some of the moments that people are talking about what kind of artist I am or human being I am <laughs> is going to make me tear up, mm -hmm. you know? And some of them may just like go, <laughs> you know, me like, whoa, I must have pissed them off, you know? And that's cool too. I like balance, you know? Yeah. You can't be all one-sided, but... You know, when you make a documentary and you, like, praise somebody, it's like, you know, mm -hmm. oh, she was the greatest thing since sliced bread. Oh, he moved heaven and earth. He was so good. It's like, uh-huh, okay. They were a person like anyone else. Yeah, and he peed and pooped just like anybody else and yeah. probably didn't wash his hands after he was done peeing, <laughs> you know? So yeah. he wasn't that cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, I told him from the beginning, I mean, what, what I've seen, everybody's seen. Is basically it on the on you know on social media? Yeah. Because I don't want to see what's going on. I don't want to know what kind of questions they're asking these individuals. You know, I don't know what they're where they're going with it. You know, because mm -hmm. I, I want to be kind of kept in the dark because I want to see it as it is. Yeah. Not see it in bits and pieces leading up to the finished project, even yeah. though some of those bits and pieces may not make it into the final cut. Yeah. You know, and they don't want to make it like this. They got tons of footage, and they don't want to make it into this like opus, you know. It's, yeah. It's not. It's not a David Lean movie, you know. <laughs> it's, you know. Maybe more David Lynch. Yeah. Or yeah. You know, it's yeah. Probably David Lynch when he was like you know, doing short films. <laughs> uh -huh, but uh -huh. they want to keep it like in a very comfortable zone, yeah. you know, of like 60, 70 minutes. Oh, nice. Right. And I'm that's like, good. I think that's perfect. Yeah. Because yeah, I'm, honestly, man. How much can you see a, 
white-faced dude with like you know black markings on his face for an hour it's like that's enough you know and then people are like talking about him you know i mean coming to a show it's completely different because you're sitting there and you're you it's like a sensory overload right yeah yeah. you know when you're watching something on a screen man it's like it's one one point Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. we'll see i'm 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 definitely excited about it you know because it'll be it'll be just a different thing again where would you like for it to premiere oh hell anywhere and everywhere i don't care if it's like in some gymnasium in some (laughs) you know northwest southwest detroit high school i wouldn't care i think it would be wonderful absolutely Mm -hmm. wonderful to get it into some of the the top notch ones you know the ann arbor one and to get it out to you know uh, denver and you know, there's there's several. I'm out of the loop on a lot of it, but there are several, from what I understand, awesome and decent, you know, film festivals, and they want to they want to go, you know, balls to the wall, and that's cool. I think their idea is to possibly get some sort of momentum or a leg up by doing it and showing it for the Freep at the DIA, the yeah. DFT. Yeah which is, I think, in February, me. April, somewhere in there. Yeah. So that would be brilliant as a stepping stone. Yeah. You know? And it's hometown, Yeah. you know, kind of a thing. And you've performed at... Yes, I did. At the DFT. Yeah, for my 25th anniversary. How did that come about? Me, just being persistent, <laughs> you know? I had done a few things for the museum before. They let me do a couple of things, and uh, that was fine. And then I approached the same people that were responsible for allowing me to get my foot in the door. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, blah, 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 you know, <laughs> I want to do this, I want to do that, I want to do this. And they're like, hmm, hmm. So they gave me the opportunity and gave me a sh- chance. Um, and uh, I did two shows. Uh, one night, I think it was. It was like a... Two probably, shows in one night? Yeah, I think it was like a six and a nine or something like that. Okay. I, don't, I don't, it wasn't a double weekend. It was like right. a Saturday night or a Friday night. Okay. So, you know, I, it was awesome. I, the, the ushers were totally cool and they dressed up like Satori Circus. Oh, how fun. I just told them, you know, wear black, you know, white shirt, black bottoms, black shoes. You know, if you have a scarf or a tie, it's got to be black or, you know, more black than red or right. something like that, right. you know. And you got to wear a white face with black makeup. And they're like, and all of them, man, were like, okay. I was floored. I was like, that's so awesome. Well, I think people, I mean, what do I know? But I feel like people really like Halloween. Adults actually seem to enjoy it more than kids sometimes in terms of dressing up. Right. And so I think whenever a grown-up is given the opportunity to, you know, make up their face in, uh-huh. a, in an unusual way and go to work like that, uh yeah, I'd say yeah, what? definitely. I'd jump at that. Yeah, but you're different. Come on, <laughs> you know your parents were the bomb diggity man. So, you know, it's it's. It, I would think that too. I mean, if it was my mom or my dad or my my stepdad, they'd be like, "Well, stepdad's a little different." But dad and mom would be like, "Okay, let's do it." Yeah. Yeah. My mom would love it, and um, they're they're you know they're older individuals you know they're probably like in their 60s or retired or mm-hmm. this is like you know they just volunteer and usher and they get to yeah. see a movie you know yeah. Yeah. so um it was interesting that everybody was on board 
Let's just put it that way. Because yeah. there's always yeah. one that's like, oh, I'm not going to do that because it's like stupid, man. <laughs> I can't. Oh, how am I going to get it off? Where am I going to go? You know, people are going to look at me. Yeah. It's like, well, that's the point. It's the point. That's you know? the point. Yeah. So it was really cool. And they gave me, they allowed me to do a lot of different kind of fun, creative stuff. And so I had, again, Brian Dambacher and um, a bunch of friends that I had met not too far from that date, uh, mm-hmm. musicians from Port Huron, uh, Dave Dambacher, uh, Brian's brother, who wrote like the entire music that we played. And I wrote the libretto and, you know, poems and stories and stuff. And then Brian took uh, charge because Brian's in a the theater background, graduated with a master's from Yale in Connecticut. Um, did all the lighting, all the sound, staging, and his fiance uh, Sarah um, Pearline, she did. It. She's a set designer, and she designed the set. So everybody was on board, and mm-hmm. it just came out amazing. So it was a trip, but it was fun. That sounds amazing. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Uh, so it would really be perfectly fitting for the movie to be screened there. It would be. It would be like coming back home yeah. in some weird way. You know, <laughs> yes. it's an institution. Come on, institutions are there for a reason to make fun of them and try to, you know, debunk them and you know poke their eyes out and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But you know, when you get a chance to walk in the door and do your do, you go, ah, they're not that bad. Because <laughs> yeah. nobody put any reins yeah. on me, so right. I was, you know, it wasn't like, oh, you can't do that. No, I'm going to crawl on the floor over people's feet. I'm sorry, man. Yeah, I might be half naked. It's You're going to have to suck it up. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, man, they, in between the two shows, I had to do some PR because mm-hmm. it was like the the bon vivant mm-hmm. having this. Uh, and I live in, you know, I live in suburbia, Gross Point, uh, Bloomfield Hills, uh, Birmingham, and you know, I drive a $70 million car, <laughs> yeah. and uh, I'm so pretty, and my lips are so full from something they, they get out of a dog's hoof or something, yeah, you know, yeah. or, okay, horse and stuff. Anyways, so I'm sitting there <laughs> in a dance belt, like butt naked, and it's freezing cold outside, and they want me to scurry across to go into this little room and, like, shake hands. Hi, how are you? Hi. Sorry, I'm naked. <laughs> uh, hi, how are you? You know? And all I had That's on were awesome. tennis shoes and a dance belt. That's awesome. Because I had to run across, like, the, out the back door through another door, and it's, like, a pile of snow. Right. And I get in there, and somebody, you know, I had somebody with me to, like, kind of help out. And we were just cracking up. It was another performance altogether. Right. Because it was all these, like, uptight and white, and they were just, like, Oh, what's he doing here? Hi, I'm Satori Circus. I'm playing right next door. Nice to meet you. Yeah, I'm a performance artist in Detroit. Oh, mm-hmm. You know, he's he's naked. He's got a he's got a dance belt on or something. It looks like a speedo. And I bet you they're still talking about it. Who knows? Some but I had a riot. Still talking about it. Do you remember that time? The guy. <laughs> Who the hell was that guy? He had makeup on. He looked dopey. <laughs> Now, how did you come up with the Satori Circus name and look? Because it is a very specific look. Well, it... It changes a little bit. Mm-hmm. It does change. It does. It does. It does. It does change, but it, it's a basic 
white makeup with mm-hmm. black yeah, it markings. came out of Fugitive Poetry has a lot to do with that because when we started doing some pre-recorded shows, we decided we wanted to be anonymous. We wanted the the performance, the music, the characters to live beyond us as the creators, mm-hmm. right? So we just we wear similar clothing, black jeans, white shirt, you know, black boots and white face. Mm-hmm. You know, just like a mime, just like a circular face, you mm-hmm. know. And um, that's how we did it. And then when I started Satori Circus, uh, I took that white face and I just used it in the front. And I was using a different kind of clown white. It's uh, more of an oil base. So like Shriners would use for professional clowns. Mm -hmm. And it was just really tough. But I used that for years. And then I started, um, I had hair then. And (laughs) then 90, I started shaving my head because it's just, it didn't, I, yeah, natural male pattern baldness was you know you know encroaching but I didn't feel that having all that hair because I had a lot of it I didn't feel that it led to any flexibility mm-hmm. so I basically started shaving everything and eyebrows hair body the whole nine yards and it's like a blank slate exactly and so then the makeup started going around my whole head as my face and head were canvas. Mm-hmm. And the black markings came from working with kids and the simplicity Interesting. of their characters. They would draw their family or their friends or you know, them playing out in the sun or whatever it was, you know, mm-hmm. and just the simple, simple lines. And I was like, oh my God. Because you had taught art yeah, I did. to kids. Yeah, I taught almost seven years in Detroit, Southwest and Northwest. Uh, so you had the you had that basis of what they're the type of art that kids do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's brilliant. It's yeah. absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I, you know it's interesting because I've always thought that your look was sort of. It's interesting that you said kids are because I sort of saw a combination of mime and kabuki. Definitely, to, it comes from kabuki. I wouldn't say well. Mime, sometimes. I would say mime was more influential in the earlier days, you know, like 88 to 92, somewhere in there. But then that's when I started relying heavily on the black aspect, Mm -hmm. you know, creating an eyebrow or eyebrows or a mouth or half a mouth or, Mm -hmm. you know, no nose or a big nose or a skeleton nose or whatever the hell it was. Mm -hmm. And it's just taken off. So the makeup over the years has really kind of, what I do now is like for a particular show that I'm working on writing, that makeup is created specifically for that. Okay. So you may see elements of it popping up somewhere else, but when I go out and perform now, it's just like after I do my head in white, which I now use water soluble because I love the effect because I sweat mm-hmm. like a dog. So the other stuff didn't didn't have any flexibility. It was like you were you started white, you ended white. Right. This is like gets in my crow's feet and, my, and it looks awesome i look a wreck but uh-huh. it is the degradation of the character going through whatever happens from beginning yeah. to end i mean you wake up in the morning and you're all puffy eyed and you're all like oh and take a shower and you're clean and stuff yeah. by the end of the day you're like god give me a drink you know so yeah. that's the progression which is very punk i mean you still yeah it definitely is have, a, the, have that punk I, I love i love being a punk Punk was cool for me. It worked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I still am. It's kind of weird. Uh, no, I def- you're definitely punk um, in many aspects. Mm-hmm. 
uh, you know, from the makeup to the to the running around in sneakers and a dance belt. Yes, and you know, yeah, and singing. You know how I try to I try to manipulate my voice. I wouldn't say I'm a good singer. I just try to do different things. You mm -hmm. know, I that's what I try to do. Period. Is I try to do different things. I try to think out of the box I created the last time. Yeah. And I try to think out of that box, and then I try to think out of the next box, and I. I haven't, you know, someone asked me the other day, they're like, so what is your favorite show? I'm like, I, I have no idea what my favorite show is. I have favorite pieces. Doing. Yeah, but it's like, typically when I'm working on a show, I will go all out and everybody knows this, that, that I work with, you know, like mm -hmm. Brian, um, I've been working with him for years and another friend of mine who does a lot of, helps me with a lot of music, Tim Sullivan, they know I go balls out and if they said one time, it was like, while we're in the middle of this show, did you did you get another idea for another show? I'm like, damn it, dude, how did you know? I got this great idea. I'll tell you after the show. And that's what ends up happening. Yeah. Is that, you know, I'm going through this and my mind's already, half of it is locked into what I'm doing, but then there's that other thing going, <gasps> it's taking a big breath. And then I just like burst at the uh -huh. end of the show and go, uh -huh. okay, this is the next show. So it's thinking. It's constantly and and do you prefer or do you because I know you do a lot some of it's just you mm -hmm. on stage and sometimes you're with others like uh, Luscious Lamone mm -hmm. or other um, performers right do you have a preference of working alone or with or with other people do you no I one? you know I'll work with anybody you know I think doing it as long as I've been a part of it. Mm -hmm. you learn some things that can't be taught and that's some unfortunately sometimes it just is etiquette mm -hmm. and there are some people who are on 24 7 there are some people who are on that moment they walk on the stage there are some people who are on um after they get off of work and it's three hours before the show i mean we all kind of do things differently mm -hmm. but showing up on time and it doesn't mean my time because i will get there if call time's at seven, I'm in the parking lot at six, mm -hmm. you know, waiting for the doors to open because I, I just get really kind of focused mm -hmm. and I need to be there. I need to be in a space. I need the space to like breathe on me. I need to, you know, lick the floors. I need to use the bathroom. I yeah. mean, it's like all these things I need yeah. to see and feel. Yeah. So I get a little more comfortable. Mm -hmm. Where's the exit? Where's the lights? The lights there. Okay, the lights come. Where they like coming? And I'm not. It depends. I shouldn't say I'm not a diva, but it depends on what it all is. Yeah. But I usually go with the flow. It's like, you don't have that one light? Fine. Can we move it here? Perfect. Let's move it up front. Okay, right. cool. Right. And they're like, wow, dude, you don't care? I'm like, I'm still going to perform. I'll perform in the dark with a lighter. I don't care. Mm -hmm. You know, because that might make it interesting. Yeah. You know? If I have to yell at you for the music because you have no microphone, but you have playback, that might be interesting. So, but I like people being on time. I like people saying what they're going to do and do it. Uh -huh. um, and when you have a collective of individuals doing some sort of a show together, I don't want you to just show up and then leave mm -hmm. because we're all busting tail. So you need to bust tail too. And that's, that's, I don't think that's a lot. No. I think that's. I think that's reasonable. Yeah, and I think it should be normal, yeah. especially walking into a theater. And it's like my parents, man. I can't, you know, you return it better than how you borrowed it. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So it came greasy. You don't give it back greasy. You clean it up and give it back. You know? Yeah. It's just that's just pride. Yeah. You know, so that's kind of how and, and most of the people that I work with that I work with again and again and again because we all do it. Nobody has to say anything. It's like, oh, oh where'd that tape go? I got it over here, man. I'm taping this down. Oh, I was just going to grab that tape and do that. Oh, don't worry about it. Go do yourself. I'm like, okay. You know, so we're all jamming. Yeah, yeah. It's good to have a, a support system like mm-hmm. that. Definitely. That you know. It doesn't matter, you know, I guess it's being professional, but it doesn't matter if you're making a quarter or if you're making, you know, $25,000, you know, in a gig. You know, you just got to be righteous, man. Yeah. You know? And you thank everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, bartenders. Thank the door people. Thank the sound tech. Thank the guy who was taping it down. Thanks, man. You know? Because otherwise you'd be spending three more hours doing it yourself. And that's cool, too. But you just, you're grateful. You just have to be. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I think that's... It probably won't get me anywhere. Words to live by. Yeah, it probably won't get me anywhere. I'll probably, you know, (laughs) be 90 years old trying to get back on that DFT stage. <laughs> no, I, you know, and I feel like that's just something in general that has gone by the wayside. Yeah, it has. You know, I mean, I remember being a kid and my mom making me write thank you notes to people. Yeah, and absolutely. being really annoyed that I had to do this. Yes. But now, you know. In retrospect, in you go. In retrospect, I think, oh, wow, that was, like, good. I yeah. Mean, that was, you know, and, I, and I've noticed... When you deal with people who aren't, who didn't have that, right? You know, every once in a while, I'll, I don't know, send something off to someone, and weeks go by. Did they receive it? Did they like it? Did they what? And it's not about I want you to thank me. It's just, in my in my you know perception, basic courtesy. Yes, it is. To say hey, thank it you. It arrived. Yeah. In one piece, and thank you. Yeah, thank you for taking the time. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, and you win a lot of people over, I've found. I mean, you know, I've, pardon me, I've worked with, like, you know, union guys, and I've worked with, like, just, you know, regular schmoes like me. And some of those union cats, man, they can be really staunchy, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And you say, you know, you do a couple of things for them, and you ask them please and thank you, and do you need anything, or mm-hmm. is this okay, or... And then it's like usually by the end of the show, they're like, hey, man, that was a good show. And you're like, wow, you like hated me three hours ago. I could tell. You wanted to eat me up and yeah. spit out my bones. Yeah. No, I've, I've worked on film sets. So I definitely know from, from, union, from union guys who are great. Uh-huh. Um, as long as you're, you know, a decent person. Yeah. And, and Thank you goes a long way. It really does. And... It shocks me sometimes when I see people who clearly look at someone else as beneath them in some way. It's like, that's the maintenance person, so I don't need to no. treat yeah. that person the same way I would treat whoever. Right. You know, or um, that person's just a PA on the, on the set, so they don't need, they don't deserve the same respect as the director. Right. You know, everybody gets it. You know, I mean, my, my dad used to say, you know, when you go into business, you know, it's like, cause he was in advertising for a while and did insurance and all kinds of crap. But, um, he would say, 
get to know the people who clean your office. And I'd be like, why? Just get to know them, man. Just be nice to them and get to know them. And I can't tell you how many times, you know, because we came from nothing. So, you know, people were cleaning, you know, businesses where I used to work. They were black, white, you know, blue collar, you know, 17 jobs, one person, mm-hmm. you know, just to make it happen for mm-hmm. themselves and their mm-hmm. family and stuff. And man, you would just thank them. And they would be like, what do you need? What do you got any towels? I need some towels for upstairs. Oh yeah, sure, no problem, man, here. And you'd be like, ah. Oh. So every once in a while, you just like go, I got an extra five bucks. I'm gonna get a dozen donuts, man, and give it to them. Yeah. And they'd be like, dude, you didn't have to do this? It's like, man, you help me out all the time. Are you kidding me? My room's clean. This is clean. You give me this. You give me that. Pfft, this is nothing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, wow, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. And I think that has a lot to do also with my longevity. Is I've, I'm sure I was been an asshole. I mean, I am. So I'm pretty <laughs> sure it doesn't matter. You know, it's not him or hit or it or her. It's yeah. you know, but you know, I'm, I'm always grateful for the gig yeah. and I'm always grateful to work with you know talented people or people who got balls enough to go up right. and do whatever the hell it is they're going to do from sideshow to aerial to contortion to tap to uh, burlesque to comedy del arte to anything mm-hmm. yeah man it just it's kind of cool yeah, yeah. Uh, made a lot of friends along the way. It's been nice. Uh, well, this has been an awesome conversation. Any final thoughts on the movie, on the documentary, on how did you, how did you feel, you know, being filmed? I mean, did that, did it, did it add, you know, if you're doing a performance and you know that there are cameras off, the, did it add anything for you for, to the performance? Did you just forget that they were there or... I, you know, um, I don't know how I do this, but when I go up on stage, I am locked in. Mm -hmm. So someone could throw a knife at me and hit me and I'd still be performing Mm because I opened, I played, I opened up for Big Chief and Big Chief was kind of like our answer back in the early nineties for grunge and they were Mm -hmm. big Mm -hmm. and they were a bunch of great guys, man. And they just rocked. And they had a gig at, I want to say Fillmore, which mm-hmm. was the state theater then. And it might have been, no, I'm pretty sure it was Fillmore. Anyways, they wanted me to open them up. And I was like floored. So I went out and I did a 20-minute bit. And I got hit with lighters, quarters, beer cans, oh, full and empty. Oh, man, I was just getting pelted. And we cleaned up the stage and had probably a dozen lighters and probably about five bucks and change, <laughs> you know? So we ended up buying a couple beers, you know? <laughs> we had lighters for our doobies and our cigarettes right. and, you know, whatever else. Right, right. And they were appalled. And they were like long-haired, flannel-wearing, t- yeah. you know, shirt grunge dudes. And they were like, yeah. dude, we are so sorry. And they went out there and they were like, started yelling at the audience right before their set. Oh, wow. He's a friend. You know? Right. I was like, wow, those guys stood up for me. That's awesome. So yeah. Yeah. Um, as far as the film goes, it's taught me a lot. It's taught me that 
you know, there are people out there that have the gumption in the follow through. Mm-hmm. And um, you, you, you know, they're dear friends of mm-hmm. mine now. You know, I mean, we've done a lot of different things together. Did it give you like any sort of insight into Satori Circus as well? Not really. Going through, you know, going back over after, the evolution of? Well, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. It made me, you know, like some of the things that I, when I've been in an interview and I've said and at the end of the, the, the take, they're like, wow, man, that was like really, wow, I can't believe you said that. I'm like, wow, I can't believe you either. And it's like, just like this, it's spontaneity, yeah. right? Yeah. So, and then it's like, just starts clicking and you just, and they're just like, whoa, slow down, whoa. So... It just you gave me more. Had to catch up to you. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, it gave me yeah. more insight on what you know. You give me this mic, and it becomes a machine gun. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. Uh-huh. so uh, and it's it's made me think of other things. You know, like I was thinking, well, you know, Satori Circus, he could be like a James Bond character. You know, just he wears makeup, but I mean, in his world. Everybody wears makeup or nobody wears makeup. He's just different. He's like yeah. he's like the kid with the green mohawk or you know, the girl with the nose piercings. He's just a guy who's got white makeup on. But yeah. is it makeup though? I mean, it could be him, right? So I thought that would be you know, I'd do my own stunts, yeah. even though I'm almost sixty, but I'd still do my own stunts. <laughs> I can fall out of a car. I don't know about falling off of a car, but I can fall out of one. I've done that many times. <laughs> Unintentionally or not. <laughs> oh, I've tripped getting in. I smack my head on the door frame still. Oh, I've done that. Oh, and then you like go, damn it. And you look around and go, Whew. I'm so glad it's seven in the morning. Nobody saw that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that is an awesome place to end. <laughs> Thank yes. you. Thank you for doing this. And oh, do you, man. Do you Thank have you. any um, upcoming shows or, or social media to, to, to plug here? Uh, I would definitely, you know, um, Facebook uh, has a lot of stuff going on right now. Um, let's see. Uh, my dear friend, uh, Conrad Lee, who's a lounge singer, he's got a bunch of shows coming up. Um, actually, one this Friday at the Dovetail. And I think it's either Warren or Madison Heights. It's a coffee shop, which will be interesting for him. And then uh, Satori's doing, I'm going to be doing uh, the the Paradise Follies with uh, Luscious Limone mm-hmm. and uh, Marcus Casernicus. And it's basically uh, kind of a different take on variety shows. Mm-hmm. At least mm-hmm. we hope so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is a good starting point for us to kind of build upon. It's like pushing the envelope as close to the edge as you can without getting arrested. <laughs> so that's Paradise Follies, and that's going to be a tangent November 15th. Okay. Uh, two shows there. Um, then November 16th, I'm up in Saginaw for a uh, party up there. Uh, that's Misty Lynn's uh, birthday, 40th birthday, and there's a bunch of performers and sideshow people for that. Um, I know there's a few other things in there, and then the 29th, I'll be at Tangent again for uh, the Maddie group who's doing uh, Tipsy Tinsel 4, which is basically an art extravaganza blowout from vendors to art show to bands to comedians to Mm -hmm. Satori. 
Um, and then uh, I believe it's December 6th will be Chris Mahanaquanza Krampus Night, which Luscious and I have been doing for six years now, seven years. So, so there's, a, there's a full calendar. There's a full calendar, man. And the New Year's already starting to fill up, which is awesome. I want to, my biggest goal is to take it elsewhere. You know, um, so Toy Circus has performed outside of Detroit. Yes, I've I've performed in Windsor a handful of times back mm-hmm. when the the border wasn't as stringent as it is today, and mm-hmm. you know, so be it. I think it's a good idea to mm-hmm. be you know cracked down on the crap. Um, Chicago, New York, uh, New York was first last summer, not this past summer, but last summer. And my friends from the Squidling Brothers, who are sideshow performers in Philly, they're the ones who talked me up in New York and I got three gigs and it was wonderful. It was a grind. It was like boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. But that's New York. <laughs> that's New York. You know, and I loved it. I hit the ground running and it was like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in a row. And it was awesome. It was awesome. And I want to do that more in the new year. Um, try doing some other things like in LA, Vegas. Um, and I want to get to Europe and I've been making those connections. So Wonderful. Yeah. Totally cool. Very. Uh, you would kill in Europe. That's what I've been told. You like totally for the last <laughs> for the last thirty years. <laughs> I'm like, oh well, one day. I, I don't know if I've really been. I don't know what held me back. I think just things, you know. Yeah. And, and things they just pile up on yeah. you sometimes. Yeah. And you know, I didn't have to be twenty something. I can be sixty something and still rule. Of course. I can of kick course. ass. Come on, totally. man. Lloyd Bridges, come on, you know Clint Eastwood. Lloyd Bridges is awesome. Charles, exactly. Charles exactly. Bronson. Those are those are my idols. <laughs> All right. On that note, uh, thank you, Satori. Thank you, sweetheart. It was wonderful. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Real Woman. I would just like to correct something we said earlier in the podcast about the movie The Great Dictator. It came out and was directed in 1940 not 1934, as we erroneously said earlier. Thanks. Please join me next week when my guest is Tanisha Brugnoni, founder of the Idlewild International Film Festival.